Tony, and it fits so well with our service tonight. We're all done with the worship portion of our service, a little bit earlier than normal, but I wanted to take some time and gather around the Lord's table and really just take our time with it tonight. I'm going to just share a few thoughts from the Word of God and preach a little bit from right here. Before uh, COVID started, I had started handing off the Lord's table to some of the younger staff as part of just training so they could get experience at that if they ever pastor one day. It's a good experience to have. And then uh, then COVID hit and we did things so much different and and so for a long time. So tonight I'll be turning the Lord's table over to Brother Calvin. Uh, after I'm finished with the message, I'll be assisting him. And so I'm excited to hear what the Lord has laid upon his heart for a few thoughts to go along with the Lord's table and as he uh, administers these elements to us tonight. So you pray for him. Uh, he's nervous about it, I know. And uh, he was telling me, he says, I hope it goes better than my first baptism. And uh, you might remember he baptized a young man, and the young man decided before him. Calvin said, I baptize you now in the name, and he decided to baptize himself. And he just went, and Calvin went, where do you go? <laughs> Stood in the baptistry tank doing this. And, and so... Uh, I'm sure it'll go much better tonight for him, and uh, at least you won't get wet. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to just share a few thoughts. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 26. That baptism was not your fault, by the way. The young man did not cooperate. Matthew chapter 26. And uh, I think some of the funniest church stories happen in the baptistry tank. We remember Brian Teeson being dragged under and, and different things, his microphone popping and squealing. Matthew chapter 26 tonight, and uh, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. I'd like to draw your attention for a moment, for a few moments, to verse 28. For the Lord Jesus Christ said, This is my blood of the New Testament. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We do pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord. It's a more somber service, to be sure, as we gather around the Lord's table and we consider the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us never to take it for granted. Lord, I, I suppose you know that we are and, frail and feeble as dust. And because you knew that about us, you knew that we were carnal and fleshly, you put this reminder before us regularly that we'd always be mindful of what Jesus did for us. So I pray that you'd help us these few moments in your word. Help Brother Calvin as he administers the Lord's table to follow. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you. May the Spirit of God help us and speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. When the Lord Jesus Christ came, he came preaching a better way, didn't he? It turned the world upside down, really. Those Pharisees didn't know what to think of it. The religious elite had their laws, and that was it. If you didn't obey those laws, if you didn't follow them perfectly to a T, you were a heresy, filled with heresy. You were a heretic. They would stone you. They would discipline you if you didn't follow the law properly. 
But Jesus came preaching a different way. Man had failed the law. He was guilty of sin. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's a good trade, isn't it? We have law, the Old Testament, we understand the laws. We think about the Ten Commandments. Friends, you keep reading past those few verses, and there are hundreds of commandments. Those, those Jewish people had hundreds of, I mean, all kinds of things to the minute detail, the things that they were supposed to do and follow to be obedient to God. But we learn in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. And if we have faith, then we are saved by the grace of God. So now we live by grace. The law came and we have a history. That's what the Old Testament is, isn't it? It's a history of people trying to live by the law, trying to obey God. Some did okay. There are some people in the Old Testament that there's never a bad word spoken of them. They were righteous, but understand this, even though they lived in the time of the law, they lived by faith. And the Bible says in the New Testament about them that their faith was counted unto them for righteousness. It's because they lived by faith. And that's what the Old Testament is. It's an account of God's law and man failing God's law over and over again. I, I think it all goes back to the very first time man sinned. And man realized that he had fallen short of the glory of God, and so God began to prepare a redeemer. The Bible says that the seed of a woman would come and crush the serpent's head. We have the first prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament was a schoolmaster. And what would it teach us? It would teach us that we can't possibly keep the law. That there's none righteous, no, not one. That we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the New Testament is about mercy and grace. It's about a Savior who came to set us free from the law. But mercy and grace would only work if God could satisfy his justice and his wrath upon sin. And so God chose to pour his wrath upon Jesus Christ. Think about that. All the wrath that we deserved, the penalty of our sin, the wages of sin is death, he transferred and put upon his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus took his, our sins upon himself. What an incredible trade. What incredible mercy and grace. And here's the thing we need to understand this evening. That this New Testament, the Old Testament is a book of a law. The New Testament is a book of grace. But Jesus said, it is the New Testament of my blood. It was signed in the very blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the shedding of blood, we can have this grace and mercy extended to our lives. I just want to say a couple things about his blood today and why is it important to us today. In a moment, we were going to take this bread, just a symbol. And if you were to look up here, you would find that they're, I guess, crackers. They're unleavened. We're careful to make sure that we get ones that don't have yeast in them. You say, well, you're kind of getting a little picky here. No, understand that yeast is a picture of sin. And that's what this is, as a symbol. So we want to be careful about that. And so it represents the body of Christ. It's not the real body, as some would, some would teach and preach. 
but just a symbol. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is very clear that we're to do this in remembrance of him. It's not him. It's in remembrance of him. And then a few minutes after that, we will take the cup. The Lord Jesus Christ, in the night that he gathered with his disciples, the night he would be betrayed into the hands of sinners, would take this cup. By the way, the Bible never, ever once calls it wine. Never once. It's called the fruit of the vine. Pure grape juice. Wine would be have leaven in it. Yeast is used in the fermentation process. And that would rail against the meaning of the Lord's table. And so we have the fruit of the vine tonight, 100% pure grape juice. And it will represent the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, drink ye all of it and this do in remembrance of me. It's not me. It's simply in remembrance of me. If the Lord Jesus Christ commanded that we do this until he come, it reminds us in 1 Corinthians 11, then there must be some significance still today. I want you to understand when Jesus Christ shed his blood, it wasn't just for that moment, for the sins of those people. His blood has eternal power. I want to just give you a couple things today to remind us about the blood. Number one, I'm reminded that the blood purchases. The blood purchased us. We are bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1, and as we think about this thought that the blood purchased us and we are bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to look at a couple verses here. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, we read, first of all, it is a token of redemption. It is a token of redemption. Redemption of my body is spoken about in 1 Corinthians 15. One day my body will be redeemed from this earth. I'll be caught away. Whether I'm in a grave, I'll be raised incorruptible. Or if I'm walking on this earth, I'll be caught away to forever be with the Lord as it tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But either way, I'll be redeemed. I'll be bought, I'm purchased now, and I'll be taken unto God. He'll come to redeem his purchased possession. But look what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. In whom, talking about Jesus Christ in verse 12, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. God has a purchased possession. The Bible says we have been purchased by his own blood and one day he's coming to redeem it. But for now, we have the earnest or the down payment. You say, what is that? That's the very Holy Spirit of God that has been placed upon us and marks us as children of God. I'm telling you right now that there are so many times in this life that we don't think a whole lot about the Spirit of God. He is often the forgotten person of the Trinity, if you ask me. We, we don't hear a lot about it. But I'm going to tell you, when you're standing at a graveside, you're thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. 
When you're reading your Bible and he opens up something afresh and anew and he illuminates the scriptures and it speaks to your heart and it helps you in in some area that you're struggling, you're thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. When you don't know what to do and you pray and that still small voice speaks to your heart and cements in your heart and mind what the next step is, you're thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. And here's the truth, he never leaves you nor forsake you. And friends, that joy that the Holy Spirit can give us uh, when we worship and when we pray and when we come to him, that, that wonderful feeling that you have in your heart it's called joy nobody can take it from you the peace that I leave on with you it's not peace that the world gives it is a peace that passes understanding and that comes from the earnest of the Holy Spirit why because you're a purchased possession purchased by the blood of God it is just a token of our redemption but I want you to also notice it's a test of responsibility you say what do you mean by that The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and ye are not your own? Listen, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which which are God's. Because we are purchased, we have certain responsibilities. Every day those responsibilities are put to the test, aren't they? Are we going to live for self? Or are we going to live for God? Are we going to listen to the Spirit or are we going to listen to the flesh? That's the, that's the only alternative. I'm reminded of what it says in the book of Jude. The Bible says that, uh, that they followed after their flesh and not after the Spirit. And we do the same each and every day. We make that choice. Will we listen to our flesh or will we listen to the Spirit of God? The Bible says you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your spirit which is God's. We belong to him. That's the wonder of the blood tonight, that as we take of this cup, we are reminded of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary, how he shed his blood. But I want you to remember tonight that he purchased you, that you belong to him. He said, well, I I don't like that language. I don't like that idea. It, It smacks of slavery that we are owned. You're not owned by another man. You're owned by God. You belong to him. There are tonight... In this room, people with young children, and and you're unashamedly, you'll say to people, if you run into them, well, these are my children. We show off, I'm going to tell you, I don't know, a day goes by, we don't show off pictures of our grandson. That is my grandson. We have no problem with the language in that context. They belong to us. This is my wife. We have no problem with the language in that context. I don't believe that the Lord is ever speaking of a slave-master type relationship. He's speaking about a loving Heavenly Father who loves His children, and we can cry unto Him, Abba, Father, because we've been purchased by the blood of Christ. It is a blood that is purchased, purchases. Secondly, it's a blood that purges. Not only did He purchase you, He washed away your sins. That's a wonderful promise. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9 tonight. Hebrews chapter 9. If you're in Ephesians 1, keep your finger there. We're going to come back there in just a minute. But Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 9 talks about the sacrifice of the lambs and the bulls and the goats that were sacrificed for the sins of man. But their blood was never sufficient. But in verse 14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, 
Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. His blood purges. Our defilement is removed. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins. Just two verses later, it says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ purges our life of sin, and he cleanses our heart and our mind and our conscience from sin. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, as the word of God is opened unto John, it says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Revelation is a futuristic book. It's a prophetic book. And as we look into the book of Revelation, we can see all the way down the road that they had this in mind, that the blood of Jesus Christ still washes away sins. Aren't you glad for that tonight? That even though we are, that we are still flesh and we still war and we still struggle day by day, if we come to him, the blood still has the power to cleanse us. What a wonderful God. But not only is our defilement removed, we are declared righteous. Because of the blood of Christ. Romans chapter 5, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But listen to the next verse. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, what is justified? It means to be declared righteous. There's a song that uses the, a play on words on that word justified. It says, justified, never sinned. Our sins are gone and we stand before God and he looks upon us and he does not see our sin. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that paid the price for our sins. Our defilement is removed. We are declared righteous before God. His blood purchases, but his blood purges. I want you to see a third thing. His blood provides. Uh, this excites me. This is part of my favorite part of these thoughts tonight. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. His blood provides. Nobody would have thought for a moment as they were coming to that altar and sacrificing those bulls and those goats and those lambs that that would open up any sort of door for them. They were cleansing their sin making a memorial before God and sacrificing in obedience, but to think that it would somehow make them right with God, they never thought of it. But then a perfect lamb came along, Jesus Christ, God's own son. And his sacrifice was so much better and so perfect that has provided some things for us tonight. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says, Wherefore remember... That ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So he's saying the Jews, those are the circumcised in the flesh by hands, they called the Gentiles the uncircumcision. He says, so he's just to clarify who we're talking about. He says, remember in the time past that you Gentiles were outside the covenant of God. Verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I want to say to you tonight that his blood provides, number one, it gives us access to hope. It opened up a door for us as Gentiles outside the covenant of God. Now, there might be a few here tonight who say, well, I'm Jewish. I have a Jewish heritage. And when you say that, most people in Canada, many people in Canada would say, if they're Jewish, they mean they're national Jews, not necessarily religious Jews. There is a difference. There's both national Jews and religious Jews. And uh, there are some, when we were in Hamilton, there were synagogues. And there was people that went to those places every Saturday and they worshipped. I've driven down in Toronto. I went through right through the Jewish section of Toronto and hundreds of synagogues there. And we were in Brooklyn, New York a few years ago with Colton. And everywhere you went were religious Jews, Orthodox Jews. They all dressed the same. They cut their hair the same. And they worshipped the very same way. And they would look at us and say, you are Gentiles. You're outside the covenant of God. But here's what the Bible says, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we were made nigh by the blood. We were brought to God. We have access to God through what Jesus Christ did for us. So it gives us hope. But I want you to also know that the blood gives us access to the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Years ago, we had a fellow, he's passed away now, our church in Hamilton, who used to work as a bricklayer in the Coke ovens at Stelco in Hamilton. And he would, he would have to gear up in these, you probably have seen it, they wear these asbestos suits and they're thick and they're heavy and they tie a rope to his ankle, some sort of thing. And he would go in there and if he was in there more than 90 seconds or something, they would start pulling on that rope and saying, you got to get out. Because even with all that outfit, it'll kill you. You'll overheat and you'll have a stroke and you'll die. And so he would go in and he would just do repairs. And he'd, he said, I'd go in sometimes, I'd do one brick or two bricks, and then they'd pull me out. And I'd have to wait a half hour before I was allowed to go back in. And I'd have to take a whole the uniform off. And he says, I'd have to cool down. And they'd check my body temperature and make sure I was okay. And he was just a little skinny guy. A guy like me just wouldn't survive. You'd have to be in good physical condition. And, you, and you, you, your body has to be regulated. And, and then he says, I'd put that back on. And I'd go in and I'd be in there for another, uh, just a couple minutes and do a couple more repairs. And then they'd pull me back out. And he says, he says now the furnaces were off. But he says it takes days for them to cool down to the point where you could just walk in and work on them. So he says, that's what I did. I got thinking about the Holy of Holies. You can't go in there without a covering. You would surely die. But by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are covered. And we can go boldly into the holiest of holies because of the blood of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. Hebrews chapter 4 calls it the throne room of grace. 
It's not a throne room of judgment. You say, why? Because when I walk in covered in the blood of Jesus, God's judgment has already been cast. It was cast at Calvary. And as long as I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, I can go in forgiven, washed in the very blood of Christ. So tonight as we come, we'll remember first the broken body of Jesus Christ. And I I haven't focused on that tonight, but that's no small thing either, is it? He was beaten. I watched a video the other day about just crucifixion in general, not just Jesus Christ, about the Romans and how they prepared a man for crucifixion. I thought about showing it, but I I just couldn't because there's children here. It was so graphic. But they talked about the whip that they used on just common criminals like they did Jesus. And they said it would expose the very bones that you could see the man's bones through his flesh. That's his broken body. They beat him so he could not be recognized. That's his broken body. But tonight, as we think about the blood as well, I want you to remember is because of the blood you've been purchased. Because of the blood you've been purged, you've been cleansed, you've been forgiven. And because of the blood, we have some wonderful privileges or provisions that we can go boldly to the throne of grace and we can enter into the holiest of holies. Let's have a word of prayer and then I'm going to turn it over to Brother Calvin. Father, we thank you and we praise you for the sacrifice you made at Calvary. Oh God, we pray that you'd help us, Lord. As the Bible says, let every man examine himself to consider our condition before God tonight. Lord, we're not perfect, we're sinners. Nobody's going to be able to stand before this table and take it in a sense that they are absolutely perfectly holy. Well, Lord, may we have a humble spirit, a spirit that seeks your forgiveness and cleansing, that we might take it in a worthy manner. Be with Brother Calvin and use him tonight to minister to us. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.